Hi. Welcome to Internet Sleuths, where we... Huh? I was really excited to say the first episode. Where we try and solve some unsolved true crime cases. Because we do think we're internet sleuths, right? Absolutely. And as I said before, I'm actually going to defrost these cold cases. (laughs) Okay. Um, I think our obsession with... Healthy obsession, by the way. Oh, yeah, true crime documentaries and the likes has made us overly qualified to do this. Yeah, definitely overqualified. I can fall asleep to forensic files because the cases are so easy to solve. (laughs) Sometimes I like remember exactly what happened in a video that I watched like a year ago. I love that. Of a case. So I have to skip it because I'm like, no, I know what happened. Or sometimes it's really obvious that it was the husband. Yeah. It's always a They can't hide things very well at all. Like, I'm sorry, this is really off off point, but if you if you watch Forensic Files and it's a case where it's a husband has killed the wife or boyfriend killed the girlfriend, whatever, they get caught up on the stupidest things. Yeah, and the thing is, the way they present the documentary, they just set it up so that you know who it is so early on. Oh, so early on. But also the thing that makes me laugh in those kinds of shows is like they were a normal family and then the picture goes like inverted colours and then like until they weren't. Until, until the dad killed them all. Oh, oh it's just like they use the same format. Sometimes in forensic files they use the same clip. Whenever the husbands do it they, um, they always come up with a story of what happened. Obviously not, not the truth because they killed them. But, like, they come up with really far-fetched stories that is so obviously fake that the police don't even need to, like, poke holes in it. The holes are there. Yeah, they're like, that doesn't even make any sense and is, like, physically impossible. Physically impossible for your wife to have grabbed hold of a towel rail and fallen and died, sir. I'm talking about that guy. I watched one last (laughs) night, actually, where he killed her. I think he, like, strangled her or gave her too many sleeping pills something like that. that and he tried to say that she was doing the laundry and the laundry bag was like um a bin bag and she fell unconscious because she took too many sleeping pills and she happened to roll over what? onto the laundry bag and suffocate herself my guy you see what i mean like these stories they don't make but any also sense. the clothes that were in the laundry bag <laughs> were clean oh they literally smell a fresh God. detergent. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Well, anyway, after we talked <laughs> about forensic files, um, basically in Internet Sleuths, what we're gonna do is I will read a unsolved true crime story, and then we're gonna kind of have like a little discussion of what we think, who we think did it, stuff like that, and then Greta will tell one, and we'll do the same thing. Yeah. So, so it's two cases per most episodes it depends on how long the cases are you know how much information we can find but yeah we're gonna do some detective work i'm so ready i need to get like a pen and start taking notes about your case oh my god please do that so excited same so should we um, get into it yeah i'm gonna talk first today so just want to give like a little eleanor neal type disclaimer you know We don't mean to be rude about anyone that we're talking about. We don't want to be offensive. We're just trying to, you know, Mm -hmm. solve cakes. We mean no offense. Yeah, like I might 
make the odd joke but that's just because I don't know why we're just so comfortable with true crime because we watch so much of it but I'm not being offensive to the person who died or to their family or anything like that it is dark to talk about you know people (laughs) who were killed yeah cool also I just also wanted to mention if you don't like description of crime scenes um like causes of death things like that it's probably not the best thing for you to tune into but it's up to you this one isn't very gory at all um and I don't talk about how she was found and stuff a lot so my one however does involve a child and I would say is a a little bit gory so regardless hope you enjoy yeah okay so I'm going to be talking about the angel of the meadow so this woman has a nickname that's such a cool name by the way absolutely I so first of all I just want to explain to anyone who doesn't know because I'm going to say this this phrase a lot Jane Doe is an unidentified female body and Mm -hmm. so a John Doe is a male unidentified body um this case and I believe Greta's is as well is unidentified so we still don't know who the victim is Mm -hmm. um so cast your mind back to january 2010 where were you greta in january 2010 i just moved house in 2010 (gasps) i love that 2010 yeah i don't remember much else other than that year six i love that yeah we we left primary school we started secondary school yeah we did so these builders started to prepare a piece of land because they just had planning permission to build four buildings on top of it. And this is in northeast Manchester. So this this piece of land had been like unused for years and years and years. It was kind of like a car park, but it was an unused car park, if you get what I mean. So like not many people used it. It was kind of like a random piece of land that nobody... Yeah, just like concrete patch. Exactly. Basically. Exactly. Fun fact, though, it used to be a notorious Victorian slum. Ooh. Ooh. And it had the nickname Hell on Earth. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. A little bit I would have wanted to go there. Yeah, let's go. That was, like, purely because there was, like, so many people died there and there was, like, really bad conditions. So not a fun place. But in 2010, its nickname was very much nicer. It was Angel Meadow. Because it was like a nice, there was a nice field next to it, and the road that it joined onto was Angel Street. So that's the logic there. So back to the builders. So they started working when one of them discovered a skull and they had to call the police. Except not really. Which is, imagine how terrifying that is. I don't, I don't know how I would feel. Because like a skull is like, I don't think I'd be straight um, up scared because it's just bone. Yeah. I feel very uncomfortable. If you think too much into it, then you like, like, oh, my God, this is a person. Yeah. So the police dug around a bit more. And as they got further down, they found a large blue carpet. And under the carpet was a skeleton wrapped in even more of that blue carpet. Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. So he obviously didn't just happen to fall into the carpet and die. No, I think we can safely say this was a murder. Okay, so the police took the skeleton for tests. So first of all, they did a post-mortem and then they also put it through some identification testing to obviously find out who it was. They did note down when they found the skeleton that they were scared that this was perhaps a missing person that had been finally found, but obviously not the way they want to find a missing person. Mm -hmm. Quite worried about the fallout of this. 
So here we go. The testing found that the skeleton was a female. She was mm-hmm. probably between the ages of 18 and 35, which isn't helpful in the slightest. No, that's a big range. That's a mess. But to be fair, they had nothing to go on. She was a skeleton. Yeah, but normally aren't they able to tell by, I can't remember what it's called. It's like the cranial sutures or something on your skull. So basically it's like a thing on Uh, the side of your skull. And if you're 18, that age range, yours haven't fused together yet. If you're over Mm -hmm. 25 and like as you get older, like they fuse together. So it's not visible anymore. Yeah, but then I suppose that that still gives the same age range as what they kind of gave. I mean, that's a whole 10 years off. Yeah, it does get a bit more specific later on, but they found out that she was definitely a murder victim, and this is where it can get a little bit graphic. So they found out she had a fractured neck clavicle and a oh, fractured jaw. That's what that oh, you took the words right out of my mouth, Greta. Well done. Ten I just know too much now. Oh, we're just so good at this. So that's usually linked with a struggle taking place and therefore a violent death. Because when they first found her, like usually a lot of building sites, it's more common than you think building sites find bones. And it's just Mm. never usually a murder. It's probably just someone died and that just happened to be an area where people were buried or something like years and years ago. So they weren't really expecting this to be a murder case. But obviously now we know that this was a violent death. So Mm -hmm. the woman was obviously very decomposed due to her being a skeleton. But (laughs) this allowed, (laughs) she's a skeleton. Um, this allowed pathologists to determine her death to have been between the 70s and the 80s. This was a quite ago. a long time ago. Yeah, this has been a while. Mm. They also said she would have been born in the 50s. And I don't know the sizing then, but it, she would have been a modern size 12. I don't know how they got that. If she yeah, has how no can they tell how, Yeah, I'd they... love to know. So would I. I. Maybe it's like the size of like her hip bones maybe like maybe they used averages of the sizes of her bones you know how they do yeah. the skull with those little rubbery things yeah and then they gave like a bit more like compensation for yeah like they just use an average yeah so she was probably born in the 1950s she was a size 12 and her height would have been around five foot one to five foot seven which again is quite a big range but the way bones decompose is that they can get smaller and smaller so her legs wouldn't have been the height that she was because it was was such a long time yeah like they they were decomposing so you couldn't really know how tall she was when she died that's so weird so they like shrink yeah almost yeah that's weird that's gross oh god okay (laughs) (laughs) oh this is just like a a, i'm scared of this and we're doing creepypasta next week (laughs) oh god okay so nationality wise they thought she was most definitely european but this is what confuses me they Mm. also said that there's a possibility she could have been indian or middle eastern so i don't know how you get a probably european but also possibly middle eastern oh because there's some i think because caucasians actually originated from that kind of area i think yeah i could be wrong someone tell me if i'm wrong but we're not very well From what I remember, that's um, what it was because that was the Caucasus region. I see. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Thank you, Greta. You're welcome. Um, one major thing they noticed was that she was missing a tooth in the top right of her mouth. And I will show a picture of her in a second. But they yeah. knew that this tooth had been missing for a while. So it was not due to the struggle of her death. It wasn't oh, due to so anything. So she probably had a missing tooth like while she was alive. 
yeah, definitely. So pathologists thought that this would have been quite a distinctive feature for people to notice when they spoke to her. Because if like if I I'm looking at Greta right now, it'd be right here. Uh yeah. Like so next to the if, canine. Yeah, yeah. So if she spoke or smiled, you would hundred percent see that there was no tooth there. So they were kind of excited because they're trying to track someone down and you say that they're missing a tooth in the top right of their mouth. That's that like is an identifiable feature. Yeah, it is distinctive enough for people to remember. Greta, you're gonna be so excited when I say this. They used a clay artist oh, to try and figure yeah. out what her face looked like based on her skull. And I will put the photo up here for everyone listening and watching. Um, You're on YouTube, if Spotify, you don't get pictures. So you don't get pictures, but you can Google it if you want to. Or go to our YouTube. Yeah, please do that as well. <laughs> so note that you can't see the missing tooth on the photo because her mouth isn't open enough. Like there's just sure. it's one tooth along from what you can see in the photo. Okay. So it definitely would have been noticeable if she had spoken or smiled to someone. So the way she was found, she was still clothed, wearing a blue jumper, blue bra, and a green pinafore dress with large buttons. She really liked blue, didn't she? This, oh, yeah. Wrapped <laughs> in blue carpet as well. Blue jumper and green pinafore. I love that. Fashion icon. Absolutely. So the police said that this was a distinctive 70s outfit. Also, mm. I can put up a picture of the dress as well. The pattern is quite distinctive, and the police say that the pattern was predominantly worn between 73 and 76. How can they get the, such a... Well, because they know how... when it was um, manuf- manufactured and when it was oh. out. It was yeah. one of those like limited edition kind of items. Oh, so they so knew it really exactly... was a fashion icon. Absolutely. It just makes me laugh how they can get a more specific time frame for the dress than her age. Than her age. This was this was 2010 police work, everybody. <laughs> Interestingly, she was only wearing one black stiletto hmm. and they never, ever found the other. Hmm. Keep that in your head for later. Taking a mental note. So I would have said there, like, it, may, it might have come off in the struggle or what police thought was that she was moved there. She wasn't killed there. She was moved there. Yeah. So around her body, this is the randomest thing, and I had to include it because it's hilarious. Around her body, police found a 1960s Guinness measuring chart that they use in pubs to measure the Guinness. What? I don't, I don't understand why it was there. It might not have anything to do with her because it was a 60s one, and this was probably mm. in the 70s. But yeah, that's weird. You're welcome. Do with that what you will. Mm. Also, some black tights and a handbag, a black handbag, was also next to her so yeah. police now thought that there was a sexual element to this crime because she wasn't wearing the tights mm. so some reports say she was naked from the waist down and others say she was completely naked so i'm really not sure they said that the carpet that was found on top of her body and wrapped around her was yeah. thought to be from the inside of a ford cortina car mm. and i was like how do they know that from like that one specific car also how much carpet is inside that car that you can wrap an entire body what they came up with was that they actually like cut it out with a knife of the whole car it was that the whole flooring of the car and the boot so it would have been enough i don't know but they knew it was from a ford cortina car because there was a hole where the gear stick would have been and it matched perfectly with that make of car wow amazing stuff um also to note, Ford Cortinas were the UK's best-selling cars in the 70s. Which, That's not a good thing. As I was going to say, as it provides information as to when she was killed, it's not easy at all to trace the car, seeing as they were so popular. Yeah. 
Also, this is a random thing they found. Traces of orange carpet were also found at the scene. And orange that's carpet. the only time I mentioned that because nothing else came up about that. But also do with that what you will. Um, Interesting. So from this information, police believed that it was a murder that happened somewhere else than where the body was found. And she was most likely transported in a car, wrapped in the carpet. Uh-huh. Thinking back to the lack of tights, this murder was probably sexually motivated. Police believed that she was either raped or at the very least sexually assaulted. Yeah. They also knew she was strangled, but they didn't know for certain that that was her cause of death. Oh, um, that's what she was. she was definitely beaten because she had multiple fractures on her skull. But that didn't have to be her cause of death as well. So they didn't know how she died. They didn't know who she was or where she died. So the investigation started with police looking into three specific unsolved disappearances from around that area in time. The first lady was Helen Sage. She had been missing since 97. Zoe Simpson had been missing since 96. Helen McCarty was also missing since 1988. They so, all seem a bit late. after what they think. Yeah. I suppose you kind of got to cover all ground and not take all evidence for a fact at this point. Yeah, but it doesn't seem, you know, if they said, oh, yeah, she was definitely killed in mm-hmm. the 70s, there's not going to be someone who's reported missing, missing in nearly in 2000. That's like 30 exactly. years unaccounted for. I really don't understand why they went down that road. No. But, so they tested all three women's dental records against the Jane Doe the angel of the meadow, but there were no matches. So it wasn't any of these ladies, sadly. That would have been a really lovely, well, not happy ending, but she would have been found. Yeah. Um, Next, police started to look into some well-known serial killers that were active in their 70s and the 80s. They specifically Mm -hmm. looked at Peter Tobin and Ronald Castry. Peter Tobin, if you aren't aware, he was convicted of killing three women but police and the public all believe that he killed around 20. Oh my uh, God, that's never, a big number. That's a big jump yeah. <laughs> from 3 to 20. He never confessed to them, but it was like the same pattern, the same kind of situation. So Yeah, and there wasn't enough evidence to say that it was him. Exactly, and he never confessed because they're all horrible people who just don't tell anyone anything. Ronald, on the other hand, abducted, sexually assaulted and killed an 11-year-old girl. I'm not sure how they did this. I did look into this, but they were able to get some DNA from the Angel of the Meadow and they compared it to Tobin and Castry. But again, there was no match. So apparently they can get DNA evidence from bones. But I was within the bone marrow. Yeah. But then I was thinking like, it's hard to take that seriously because we know she had no flesh or muscle on her when she was found. She was a skeleton. Mm. Let's do how many times I say skeleton in this video. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm going to put that on. Um, (laughs) She had been dead for at least 30, if not 40 years. So if there happened to be DNA evidence of her killer on her bones, which is a really random place to find evidence of her killer, it would have been compromised because she had been buried for decades. Oh yeah, I understand to find her own DNA. Yeah. To find somebody else's DNA surely would make more sense to test the carpet and the carpets and stuff. I had nothing about any forensics, nothing. Nope. Nope. Very strange. That's stupid. We love the police. Um, How are they going (laughs) to... Wait, wait. Let's think about this logic for a second. We found this dead body that's been here for 30 years Mm -hmm. and it's just now bones. Let's test the bones for the Mm -hmm. killer's DNA. How Mm -hmm. in the hell 
where what bone would be like what out. Bone? Yeah, like how can the killer and the victim have contact via bone? I'm no, trying to think of a bone that would just be out and about, but I can't. It's really silly. Yeah, to stop saying bone because it might be taken out of context. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Okay. The last known killer they tried to link with the murder was James Lloyd, who I'd actually never heard of. So he was a convicted serial rapist in Yorkshire in the 80s. Also a lovely man. <laughs> mm. This would make sense. This actually, I found so many links between him and this. But oh, solving it already. Well, maybe. So it would make sense with the sexually motivated aspect of the murder because he was a serial rapist. Mm. He was well known for having a foot fetish. That, do you know yeah. that's what I was thinking? Wait for it. Here's the killer. Well, he is. The, he's not the killer. He would rape women and take their shoes for a trophy. That is the exact case it, that I was thinking about when you told me that the shoe mm-hmm. was missing. Yeah, that guy like, who used to. He used to leave like I don't know who he was. He used to leave like their handbag, but all the contents of their handbag next to the body and one shoe, and he'd always take the other. But he was but, caught. It was uh, him. It was someone else. But, wow, that is exactly the same though. I know, right? Like, why would you have all anyway? So, although this, excuse the joke, I'm so sorry. Although this seems like a perfect fit, apologies. I'm so sorry. <laughs> really sorry. <laughs> um, James was never convicted or confessed to killing any of his victims when he was arrested yeah. in 2006. I mean, if he never killed anybody. Yeah, it's hard to believe. Usually, when they've killed someone, they kill them all. When did he start killing people? This was I mean, around raping people. This is the eighties, but he was arrested in two thousand and six. Isn't that disgusting? So the timing of when he was committing crimes is roughly like yeah, close. And he was one of those people who was quite cooperative and said exactly what he did and to how many. Mm. So that, with the fact that he never ever killed any of his victims, le- led police to just write him off completely. Even though that was going to be a really great ending. Yeah. So. Back to Greta's favourite thing, the artist who created the clay sculpture of her face, she was featured on Crime Watch in 2011. If we've got any people from other countries who are listening, Crime Watch is a TV show that's not on anymore and I wish it was. So they they used to do like, say like there was a high profile like murder case or someone was missing, they used to just put it on there and give you all the information and phone numbers to ring to be like, do you recognise this person? Do you have any information like where you're in this specific area at this time? And it was actually so helpful to find, like just Mm -hmm. to get leads. They really cases. helped get leads for so many cases. Like it was like really, really high-profile cases, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because like it raised a lot of awareness about cases and was an easy way for people to contact police. You know, and, and it, it must on, have been anonymous as well. Yeah, and also I swear it was on like I remember it being on on Saturday nights or something like really prime yeah, time. Was, I remember later. watching it back in the day. Yeah, like it was weekend watching. It was just really interesting. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's where it started for us, Greta Crime Watch. Wow. I don't know if I liked it as a child, though. I don't think I appreciated it, but now if it's on YouTube... with children, so... Well, yeah. So this woman went on Crime Watch, and she, like, described the the case and showed off the what her face would have looked like just before she died. The police basically wanted a family to say, this is our daughter, she's been missing since this. But they didn't get that exactly. They actually got 22 unique identity leads. So 22 mm. women could have been from that one appearance, which is really good. Yeah. Um, 
the leads were kind of all over the place, like women from all around the world. There was Texas, New Zealand, the Netherlands. They were quite random, but they followed them all. The most promising lead came from an East African family and the police agreed she was probably from Tanzania. There's no evidence or information of what that family said to police to make them like 100% or not 100%, like 90% inclined to think that this um, woman came from this family. But they were like, sure, this was their family member. So that's kind of where they left it. So it, they didn't have any confirmation. There was no evidence that it was this woman. And they left it there and they didn't go into any detail of why, of who this family was, more information about the victim, nothing. So everyone kind of still treating it like it's unsolved because it is. It is not closed. It's still open. Yeah, so, they haven't like confirmed anything. There's no way to confirm that that was her. But I think it kind of like for the people investigating, it kind of felt like a nice kind of place to leave yeah. it for the moment if they didn't have any evidence. Yeah, so there's no, nothing else to work on. Then. Exactly. There were no other leads. So that was in 2010. To so skip to 2015, and the mm-hmm. Angel of the Meadow was buried in an unmarked grave in Manchester. Sadly, the only people who attended her funeral were two of the detectives who worked on her case. Only two of them, that's sad. Makes me really sad. The DNA profile that I previously mentioned that they got from her bones has been stored so that in case any leads come up now, police can investigate using this. But this case is cold as of right now. Wait, we're going back to that DNA profile. Mm-hmm. So that's not her DNA? No, it's not the one that they used to check if it was um, Tobin or Castry. Okay. So they took her DNA, like you said, like from the bone marrow, you can get it from bone. Yeah, okay, okay. They've so also, yeah, they've also got her dental records. So they've got a fair bit to work with, I would so argue. if they do have, like if they just run it through the database every so often, maybe they will. Yeah, something. in hopes. Yeah, so... That's that's the angel of the meadow. That's it's quite sad. I think unsolved cases are really infuriating and sad. But when you don't know who the person even was, and they can't rest peacefully, their family probably might have still been looking for them. It's a lot yeah. worse. Imagine just like that person's family might just never know what happened to them. Yeah, exactly. And she was clearly a young girl, eighteen to thirty-five is young. And I think around in those times, if someone left, like your sister left, like they've just assumed that they've gone to live somewhere else. And a lot of people yeah, never really like put it down. Start a new life. Yeah, they never ever assumed that someone was missing or something had happened to them. Mm. So they might not even have realised that she was someone to be looking for. Which yeah, is I think it's so difficult in this sort of times because I think we take technology for granted now. Like it's so mm-hmm. easy to keep in touch with people, but back then. If yeah. someone wanted to go and move somewhere, like, you could telephone if you had a landline, but that's about it. Yeah, like, you just didn't know. And you just like, assumed send that a they letter. Mm-hmm. If you lose contact, then there's literally nothing you can do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, so I have two questions for you, Greta. Because I yeah, couldn't really... There's not much way. in this case. But yeah. I came up with two questions. So the first one is, do you think she was killed there? Or do you think she was killed somewhere else and driven to where she was found, like the police think? Hmm. It depends on the the fact that she's wrapped in carpet mm-hmm. makes me think she was taken there. Yeah. Because if, if it was someone who was just like killed there, where how would they have got the carpet? Like, would they have had the means to cut the carpet out of their car right there? Right at there, that yeah. second? It just seems like they had a bit longer to plan that part and take like dump her somewhere 
Yeah, I think because it's a carpet from inside a car, it definitely just points to transportation for me, like she was driven somewhere. What was it? It it used to be a car park, right? It was a car park. It was like a random plot of land. Now it's a field. It was just one of those. Yeah, they never built anything. Never. That's fair enough, though. Mm -hmm. I don't think it would be a bit disrespectful to build something thereafter. Yeah, the photos of that. They call it the meadow, like it's not really a field. It's like a really, it's really pretty. Mm-hmm. So I suppose that's kind of nicer than building the four buildings there. Yeah. The thing about the family who were convinced that mm-hmm. it's their, what was it, daughter? They didn't ever say. They just said it was a member but of their family. Tanzania European. is in Africa. Like, yeah, not remotely close to what they thought and I think it's fairly easy for them to tell race by those nowadays yeah that's definitely a a big factor in forensic files when they're trying to identify a skeleton even a skull you can tell the race of the person yeah by the shape of the bones Mm -hmm. but I think maybe they did that because it was kind of comforting for them to put their hope into that and think that it was who they wanted it to be so that they could have some sort of closure yeah, closure, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, because it like there was no one looking for her. There was, you know, like when it's like a daughter's gone missing, you've got the family breathing down your neck, you've got the media, like, why aren't you finding her quicker? Whereas yeah. it was literally just the detectives wanting to find out who this woman was. Yeah, because that, there was no one else involved because they didn't yeah. know who she was. So if they could get a bit of closure, I suppose that's the only positive thing you could kind of get out of that. And if they were, we don't know why they were so happy with that family, but it must have been good enough for them to be like, okay, sure. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe she really looked like the drawing or something. Perhaps they had a photo of like a distant cousin or something and it did look like her. Yeah, I mean, if they said family member, you never know, that could have been like their daughter. Yeah, I would have thought they would have been more specific. Yeah, they like sister, daughter, mother, auntie. Weird. I was going to ask, what do you think the significance of the either the traces of orange carpet or the Guinness measuring is? I'm not going to lie, that just made me think of the pub. Just, <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, I miss um, it. But if that Guinness thing is from the 60s, mm-hmm. you, I mean, it might have just been there. I feel like it was just field or a parking lot or whatever just a piece of land it could have just been rubbish yeah exactly it could have been just covered over and it just happened to be exactly. in there. it could have been buried on the grass or whatever yeah i don't think it holds any significance because it's like they're thinking of 70s onwards like they looked at the woman who went who went missing 97 so yeah. they're not looking at any time earlier than the 70s um what about her bag today were there no leads with that and they never said anything about the the black handbag other than it was like next to her. They didn't say if anything was taken out and like money was missing, nothing like that. They just said it was yeah. found next to her with her tights. Maybe it was empty then. But yeah. then I was thinking, if she was killed somewhere else and moved, yeah, why, why did they bring the handbag and the tights? Well, maybe they didn't want any evidence in their possession. But why didn't they just leave it where she was killed? If it was, say, like if it was down an alleyway or something, why didn't they just leave it there? Yeah, but people move bodies all the time. Yeah, but like bodies to like. A... Yeah, I feel like I definitely understand moving the body to somewhere where you think no one will find it, but I just don't understand the tights and the handbag when they were like, why would you even think about moving that? Because it's not gonna unless it was at your house or somewhere that people. But it could have been. 
It could have been. It could, very easily could have been their house and they just moved it with them, but I just find that a bit weird. About the orange carpet. Did they, like, find out what type of carpet it is or did it Nothing. literally just say orange carpet? The funny thing about this case, as you probably realise, is they never went into any elaboration on any of the evidence they found. That's there strange. Was no forensic analysis done. There was no, like, storing of the evidence. There was none of that. And this was 2010. Yeah, it's not like it was the 90s. Yeah, exactly. If you like research this case, there's loads of websites about it, but everyone says the same thing because there's mm. no evidence to look at. So they never looked into what kind of carpet it was, if it was also from a car, if it was from someone's living room. Yeah, because it's very obvious to tell what the threads and stuff in the carpet mm-hmm. are made of. And, you know, especially by the shape of the threads as well, like if you look at it microscopically. Yeah, there's very specific shapes that are used for like very specific items so like car carpets for example they can tell when it's from a car because they use a specific type exactly it's like, not going to be the same trilobal or something Ooh, wow yeah it's not going to be the same carpet as you're going to find in your living room exactly but like where do you think it came from because i would i would just thought like say i don't know why but i keep thinking it's in someone's living room that she got killed but like she could have like had it under her fingernails if she was trying to like get up or something but then she didn't have any she was a skeleton so like why would she have had it under her nails do you have nails when you're a skeleton no no you don't I'm gonna say thank god well not thank god skeleton have nails. imagine just skeleton mm. with like a manicure, manicure. yeah i love that <laughs> like where would it have come from why was it and where they said it was found at the scene they never said it was on her they never said it was like on her bag Could yeah it was found at the scene yeah what does the scene mean please come on that's so weird like if it was mixed with the blue carpet like if it was on the blue carpet it could have been like a rug like you know like how you have the oh, actual yeah. carpet in the car and then you have like, a rug on top yeah maybe it's like yeah or like you said it could have been from someone's house mm-hmm. but who the hell has orange carpet in their house but then but again it was the 70s wild time for colors yeah. but yeah i think it's like such a like they didn't say it was on her it could have been under her shoe like on the sole of her shoe, maybe. I just yeah. don't know where she would have got carpet from. Is there anything you picked up that you have questions about? Thoughts? About? Um, do you know anything about like the area? You know, like how you said, like Angel Street, the road. It's apparently quite not quiet. Just nothing happens. It wasn't an area that there was like crime or there was always something going on there. It was just normal. Was, there was it like residential? Yeah. It was like three residential roads coming to one point, which was the meadow. It's all very strange and there's not enough information about anything. No, because I was, I mean, you always think about when it's sexually motivated, you always have to think about, you know, was it a prostitute? But yeah, and that explains to me personally the handbag. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I also think her her outfit isn't a very prostitute-y outfit. I mean, I haven't seen it yet, but I will look. All I have is a picture of the pinafore, but she was wearing a blue jumper underneath that. Mm, Yeah, not very prostituting. Yeah. (laughs) Like, we know exactly what you wear when you're a prostitute. Oh, I mean, you can... It's not what you would think of, especially in the 70s. Yeah, I think it would be a little bit more um, revealing, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better word. So that was the Angel of the Meadow. It's a sad case, but yeah. Did we solve it? No, we did not, because there were not even any suspects. Yeah, there was nothing. Nothing. Not even one person they thought it was. Apart from James Lloyd. 
I really think it was him. I don't know. Yeah, because it could have just been like he was just planning to rape her and then Mm -hmm. things just got out of hand or, you know, he messed up. Yeah. And he panicked and so he killed her. Or, you know, maybe he was into kinky stuff and... He, he was strangling her for the bounce. And then he was like, oh, And then he strangled her a bit too hard and she died. James, you're a bad man. <laughs> just just in case he doesn't know that. Is he still alive? I have no clue. James, like, well, he was, he was arrested in 2002. Yeah, but depends how old he was. Ah. Ah. What? He kept 126 pairs of shoes from oh his Oh, God. Did they compare any of those shoes to hers? If they have them still? He was a single father of two. So did anyone question why he had 126 pairs of shoes? Maybe he hid them, though. Going off on a tangent about this guy is very weird. Now it's time for Greta's turn. My turn. So before we get into it, I do want to say once again that my case is about quite a young child. So if you're sensitive to that, then maybe this isn't the case for you. And also a lot of my sources did put the events like slightly in a different order. So it was difficult to figure out what happened when kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. I have tried to include all the main facts that you need to know. And if you're interested and you want to know more about the case after this, I found a podcast called Dark Histories, which has so much detail. Um, Like, honestly, it's like he was reading straight from the police report kind of thing. It was really informative. And um, I think one of the investigators, he uh, wrote a book on it. I love when they do that. Yeah, so if you Google the case, I'm sure you can find that too. Cool, 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 cool. today I'll be sharing with you the case of Adam, also known as the Torso in the Thames. Are you laughing (laughs) at Adam? Yeah, the case of Adam. Yeah, I know. (laughs) So, on the 21st of September 2001, IT consultant Aidan Minter was walking along the River Thames in London. As he was reaching Tower Bridge, he noticed something in the water. He thought at first that it was a barrel and decided to take a closer look. However, what he had found was in fact a dismembered torso with bright orange shorts on. Oh! Yeah, quite quite different things. Wow. Barrel versus torso. Yeah. He immediately called the police and they recovered this torso, which was missing all four limbs and the head, and they believed it belonged to a black male around four to seven years old. It was sent to the Home Office for an autopsy, and this revealed that the body had been placed in the river within 24 hours of death, and it had been there up to 10 days prior to its discovery. The body, as they had initially suspected, was that of a boy, aged between 5 to 10 years old, and was of either African or Caribbean descent. They found that his arms, legs, and head had been removed, and the cuts that had been made to remove the limbs seemed to be expertly done with extremely sharp instruments which I will explain a bit more about later. The cause of his death was written as trauma to the neck, and other than this, there were no signs of any other violent trauma or broken bones. As well as this, all the blood had been drained from his body, which is very unusual. There's no blood. They found traces of cough medicine, as well as strange plant extracts, which were sent off for further analysis. And these could have possibly paralysed or poisoned him. Cough medicine can poison you? No, 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 not the cough medicine, the, oh. the plants. I was going to say, watch, um, watch out, cowboy. <laughs> Interestingly, the shorts he was wearing were made by a brand called Kids Company, and police discovered that these shorts were only sold in Woolworths in Germany, which, as you can imagine, just added a whole other country of possible suspects. 
Yeah, Woolworths. I was like excited to hear that name. I love them. I love Woolworths. Big RIP. Um, <laughs> big RIP to Woolworths. Miss you. As there was really not much to go on so far and they had no leads, the police named him Adam until they could find out his real identity. And although they did press conferences and appeals in several countries, this case was quite overlooked as 9-11 had just happened. Uh, so, you know, the news was inundated with that. Mm. There, there was a much focus on this case. The further analysis of his stomach contents and also trace minerals in his bones revealed that Adam had only been in the UK for a few days before he was murdered and that he probably came from West Africa. That he was only here for a few days? Yeah. How do you know that from his bones? Basically, the minerals that they found in his bones, they couldn't have come from the environment that you grow up in. in Uh, So, like, you don't find those those kind of things in people's bones here because it's different. So this led investigators to suspect that Adam was trafficked to Britain. Oh, no. One doctor during the autopsy had suggested that the cuts and draining of blood could have been ritualistic. So they flew in a South African pathologist to give them a second opinion. Also, Ellen's face right now. <laughs> she is shocked. I'm gobsmacked, if you will. <laughs> Dr. Hendrik Schultz carried out a second autopsy and suggested that the dismembered body resembled those of certain killings in Africa. And in particular, one case from 1994, where the body had been dismembered and dumped near a body of water wrapped in an orange red sheet. That case had been proven to be a killing intended to harvest body parts for a practice which is known in Africa as muti. So from what I read, they kind of went back and forth with deciding whether it was muti or not because they spoke to a lot of different experts who told them different things. And That's always really helpful. Yeah, but to give you a little background on this, the word muti derives from the Zulu word for tree, umuti. I hope I'm pronouncing these. I'm sorry if I'm not. The most common form of muti is potions that are made from herbs and plants to cure small ailments like headaches or stomach aches. For more complex issues, some people believe that animal parts are needed. Loads of different animals have been used in muti before, like crocodiles, birds, monkeys, you know, okay, everything. However, the idea of muti has been distorted by a small group who believe that human body parts are needed to help heal people. And in some cases, they even think it can give you magical powers. Um, wow. According to this small group, everybody is born with a certain amount of luck. Um, children having not used up all of their luck yet. I see. Um, oh. Apparently, Muti is used to obtain luck or fortune by speaking to a healer or a sangoma who then determines what is needed. This is where Muti murders are used and young children are seen by some as having the most power. Body parts can be used in the foundations of new buildings to bring good fortune or buried in the soil to ensure a successful harvest. Some sangomas believe that the body parts taken from live victims are more powerful due to the screams of the victim. Oh, no. It's yeah. No. Mm-mm. Pretty brutal. Don't ah, you ah. Because they think, like, the deities can hear the screaming, so they think, like, they're going to respond. Oh, and, like, no. I'm so quiet. close to swearing my head <laughs> off. <laughs> I mean, I can just censor it. But... <laughs> it's just going to be a whole long bleep. <laughs> However, in February 2002, they consulted Richard Hoskins, who I think is the guy who wrote the book, Um, And he was a British criminologist and expert of African rituals. 
He mm-hmm. told the police that he believed that it wasn't a result of a Moody murder because the cuts were too precise and the limbs seemed to be removed after death rather than whilst Adam was alive. And his genitals and organs were still intact, which was uncommon for Moody. After further analysis, Hoskins concluded that Adam's murder was a result of a human sacrifice. Oh God. Moody involved the harvesting of parts, whereas a sacrifice focused on the flowing of blood. The killers would cut the victim's throat and then the blood was spilt onto the ground or an altar for a deity. In some cases, the blood was drunk out of a severed head. This further suggested West Africa as Adam's origin, where human sacrifices were illegal but quite common. Hoskins narrowed it down to Nigeria, likely Yoruba, because Yoruban men are commonly circumcised shortly after birth, like Adam was. Deities known as Orishas help bridge the gap between Earth and the god some Yorubans worship called Alorun, mm. with many Yorubans believing that there are hundreds of Orisha. All Orishas require sacrifice that focuses on the Orisha's favourite colour, plant and food. Human offerings weren't encouraged, but there was still a minority of people within the religion that allegedly dealt with human sacrifices. They believe Adam may have been sacrificed to one of the 400 Orisha, and thought it might have been Ocean, a Yoruba river goddess, as she is associated with orange, which was the colour of the shorts, mm-hmm. and the fact that his body was offered to the River Thames also backs up this theory. What a river to choose. I'm so sorry. The Thames. <laughs> Come on. Remember when there was a shark in there? Sorry, that's oh so God, Yeah, they had dolphins as well, didn't they? Yeah, but it was like one summer where there was just a shark in there. and they... No, it was a whale. Oh, yeah, no, it was a and whale. We're going to get it out. Anyway, but sorry. <laughs> Human sacrifice, carry on. <laughs> as I mentioned before, the cuts where the head and limbs were sliced from the body shows that they were expertly carried out. Slash around the limbs and neck was cut down to the bones, and then they were slashed with a single blow from a tool, which was probably something like a butcher's meat cleaver. Ah. Adam would have been stretched out horizontally or upside down during the sacrifice and kept in position while the blood was drained from his body. Officers working on the case believe that the level of expertise involved could show the perpetrators imported a magician or priest to carry out the ritual. They also believe the amputated body parts could have been kept as trophies as they had searched Thames and they were unable to find any other parts of Adam's body. Which is not a fact. No, me neither. While all of this was going on, police were still doing appeals not only in England but also in South Africa and it was broadcast in several languages because they really had no leads and they were desperate for some information. But finally in June 2002, two discoveries were made, one more significant than the other. Firstly, as we mentioned before, the police narrowed down the shorts Adam had been wearing to one of only 820 pairs sold in Woolworths in Germany. That meant that at some point between his journey from Africa to the UK, Adam had probably been in Germany. The second discovery uh, was a much luckier discovery, but potentially an important one. So this happened very randomly. It was such a coincidence. But uh, police were contacted by social services in Scotland in regards to a woman named Joyce Osagide, they reported finding suspicious items in her home, such as a jar filled with chicken feathers. According to the social workers, when her two young children were removed from her home and placed into care, Joyce said that she needed them back urgently so she could perform a ritual with them. No, Joyce. 
Yeah, no, Joyce. No, don't do that. Thanks. There isn't very much known about Joyce. I believe that she was born in Nigeria, although on her immigration documents, she said that she was from Sierra Leone. But this is possibly because of a common belief that people from Sierra Leone were more likely to be granted a visa into the UK. Don't know. Interesting. But on a fake passport found with her picture on, but under a false name, Joyce's date of birth was listed as the 14th of June. 1971, but again, there's no proof to her birthday. Mm-hmm. They'd questioned Joyce on two occasions at her home in Glasgow, and both times she was fine with them searching her flat. And on one of these occasions, an officer had noticed a letter with a London address on it, so she memorised it, and the police went to visit that address, and that place housed a Nigerian woman and her family. The woman denied knowing Joyce, but did recognise her picture, According to the woman, Joyce had appeared at her door and asked to see a priest and that Joyce said she'd recently been in Germany. Hmm. Joyce. Because of this, they decided to raid Joyce's home to see if she'd hidden anything of importance from them. In a search, they found hidden clothing that had washing instructions in German with the tag saying Kids and Company, which matched the tag found on Adam's shorts. When questioned, Joyce said that she'd bought them from Woolworths in Germany so she was arrested. Um, in, well, I mean, she didn't know, but if she bought them in Germany, like she might have not seen mm. that they'd found that link. Who knows? Rookie mistake, Joyce. Mm-hmm. In her interview, Joyce said that she lived with her estranged husband in Germany until mid-2001. She then fled to London with her daughters because she was concerned for their safety because apparently her husband was the head of a cult named the black coat eyes of the devil guru Maharaj. Oh my which god. Which I thought, like, I, they did very bad things and, you know, are, are apparently very bad people, but that is a sick name, I can't lie. Absolutely. Like, not that I want to join a cult, but if if you were to join a cult, it would, well. Well. It's a cool name is all I'm trying to say. It's a, yeah, it's a cool name and nothing more. Yeah, not nice um, people. And she claimed they were involved with human sacrifices. So yeah, Yuck. don't want to be part of that. No, no. Joyce said that her husband was personally responsible for the deaths of 10 children, including their firstborn child back in 1995. Oh. The police tried to question her further about her husband, but she was unwilling to give them specific details. She wrote down his name as Tony Onus, but had said it was Onajigovi, and after that, she refused to say anything else. She actually kept changing her story a lot from what I read. Like, one minute she was saying, oh, I don't know anything. Then she'd be like, oh, my husband's name is this. And then she said she didn't go to Germany at all. She actually came from Africa on a boat. It was very strange. We know you were in Woolworths in Germany. (laughs) According to the police, Joyce seemed afraid. She also denied knowing Adam and said that she hadn't taken care of any young boys whilst living in Germany. DNA proved that she wasn't related to him, and so she was released from custody. The police really wanted to track down her estranged husband, but they had little information to go on. The reason why the mention of that cult that he was in is so interesting and seemed like it could have had a connection is that the sacred colour of the cult was orange and the place where this cult practised was near Adam's birthplace, Yoruba. However, the police still had nothing concrete. So this bit was a little confusing to follow because both Joyce and her husband had used a lot of different names and identities, but this is what I could gather. During uh, the questioning of Joyce, police had been supplied with two addresses that she had claimed to live at in London, one in Lewisham and one in the East End. The Lewisham flat seemed to have evidence. Police found bones buried in the back garden, 
along with a machete and a videotape of her wedding to a man named Samuel Onijagovi, dated in 1997. Named not Tony. <laughs> I think we knew that, though. <laughs> the tape showed that as they were wed, a goat was sacrificed and its blood was splashed across the altar. After some digging, police found out that Joyce's ex-husband was actually a wanted man in Germany under the name of Ibrahim Kadade for trafficking illegal immigrants. Oh. The police made one other raid in December 2002. Police tracked down Joyce's landlord, a man named Kingsley Ojo. As the police entered the flat, Ojo escaped through a rear window, which, how the hell did that happen? Dude. First of all, how the hell are you raiding someone's home to arrest them and it's raid they actually escaped through a window? You get the front and you get the back. Exactly. This was 2002. It's not like a a majorly long time ago. So even though they missed him, they could still investigate his apartment. And amongst a lot of strange stuff, they found a videotape tagged Rituals that graphically depicted a man being decapitated and his head being held aloft in sacrifice to a Yoruban deity. That be it? Mm Mm-hmm. They also found pouches of an unknown powder. The police tracked Ojo down and arrested him, but he claimed to know nothing of Adam or Joyce, despite the fact that her contact details were found on his phone. During this time, Joyce was actually also deported back to Nigeria because she had not followed the correct channels to seek asylum, and police couldn't keep her here by arresting her because they had no evidence. So that was a major setback because, you know, someone who they thought could potentially be involved is now back in Nigeria. They did find out more evidence about Joyce, Kingsley and Samuel and this helped when the results, the analysis on the samples that were collected in Yoruba came back, which concluded that Adam had spent most of his life living in the suburbs of Benin City, Yoruba. This is the same city that Joyce, Samuel and Kingsley were from. The two Mm. small packages found in Ojo's flat were found to be incredibly similar to the contents found in Adam's intestine. Um, And the quartz grains that were found were from the same river in Nigeria. In 2003, police began Operation Maxim, in which police secretly monitored Kingsley Ojo, and they found out he was involved in a large-scale human trafficking ring between Nigeria, Germany and the UK. They were also able to track down Samuel Onijagovi and began surveillance on him to see if they could find anything incriminating. And I think that he was eventually also arrested. Mm. They also had to track down Joyce, who was back in Nigeria, as they wanted to re-arrest her and ask her more questions. As well as those three, um, police arrested 21 other people in connection with human trafficking. Oh, wow. Yeah. In Joyce's new questioning, so the second time that she's been arrested, she maintained to have no knowledge of Adam, but confirmed her involvement with the black coat eyes of the devil guru Maharaj. I love saying Great that. name. <laughs> she told police that the cult was deeply involved in voodoo and black magic. She also told of how the group had members in both the UK and Germany, and that she had played an organisational role. Her ex-husband Samuel was the guru and confirmed that he had been involved with murdering children in the past. When asked specifically about Adam, she said, I do not know anything about the murder of the child in London, but then immediately contradicted herself by saying, the child was killed in Lewisham. I don't know where the head and limbs are. I think the boy was sacrificed because his parents had been brainwashed by Maharaj Ji's teachings. Again, nothing solid could be tied to Joyce, so she's going to be arrested again. She knows all this stuff, but yet says she doesn't know anything. 
Yeah, it's weird. She keeps contradicting what she's saying. It's like she really wants to tell them what's happened, but she also really doesn't. Yeah, I don't <laughs> it's like know. she's whispering stuff in there. Like, I mean, you'll see like another part uh, later on as to why Ooh. she might have been changing her story so much. It's okay. not very sinister, but it makes sense. So her ex-husband, Samuel, was questioned and he claimed to have no knowledge of any cults or Kingsley Ojo, though his details were found in a diary. So they did have some connection somehow, they did not. Um, he also claimed to have no clue who Joyce was, oh. even though that's his ex-wife. Oh my god. Of the 21 other arrests, most were thought to be minor players in a child trafficking ring headed by Kingsley Ojo. Ojo was eventually sentenced to four and a half years in prison, followed by deportation. Whilst Operation Maxim achieved great things by splitting up a child trafficking ring, it just did not help identifying nor understanding the death of Adam. And so the case grew cold. In 2011, so, you know, a lot Ooh. of years have passed. There's been nothing new for a long time. But a journalist working for ITV tracked down Joyce, who was suffering from severe mental health troubles. Oh. So I have a feeling that could have played a factor yeah. in why she was changing her story so much, maybe. Mm -hmm. She wasn't so mentally stable. And she'd actually just recovered from a complete mental breakdown when they interviewed her. Gotcha. So she wasn't in the best place. But during the interview, she told the journalist that she had actually looked after Adam in Germany while she lived there. A photo that depicted Joyce alongside her two daughters and a young boy was found, which she confirmed to be Adam. She claimed the time she spent taking care of Adam was a favour to a friend and that she had passed him on to a man named Bauer. When Joyce came to England, she was told that Adam was dead. She also confirmed his identity, naming him as six-year-old Ikpomwosa. Oh, yay. It is important to note police were not sure to believe everything she said, as her mental health was a severe problem and she was on a strong mix of medication at the time oh, of the interview. Damn it, then over a year later, in 2013, BBC also approached Joyce for an interview. She confirmed her earlier story, though this time she named Bauer specifically as Kingsley Ojo, and on this occasion she named Adam as Patrick Erhabor and went on to explain that her previous identification of Ipon Morsa was a misunderstanding. Oh. But the photo she claimed to be Adam was actually of her friend's son, Danny, who the BBC tracked down and confirmed was the young man himself that he was the boy in the photo. And therefore, Adam has never been formally identified. That's all that's happened. There's been nothing since. Wowie. That's a lot. My God. Mm. So just... my main thoughts is that, yes, it was them. What do you oh, think? Oh, 100%. Joyce is just dirty if one of them was proven i mean he was literally arrested for human trafficking yeah and everything seems a bit too coincidental for it not to be true yeah everything is a coincidence so that's too many coincidences in one case to the same people who do you think like actually did it like out of the three would you say it was joyce her ex-husband who was apparently the guru mm. of the cult or kingsley ojo i think it was her ex-husband I think didn't you say he'd killed kids before. Yeah. I think it was him. This is it's just, so weird. It's crazy to me that like nothing more has come of this and we still don't know who he was. Because there's so many leads and so many people that you could talk to and there's just nothing. Mm -hmm. And for all we know, like, okay, wait, no. It couldn't have been her child though. 
You can rule that out because they did, they did DNA testing. It's not her yeah, child. It's not her relative. That's mad. But I wonder if they tested it to the other two. Yeah. There's but, just uh, so much crime in that one. Mm-hmm. I'm still not over the beginning of all the human sacrifice stuff. I know. When I started researching this, that was definitely not where I thought it was going to go. I thought, oh, they removed all the limbs to, you know, stop identification. Identification, you know, yeah. It's Mm-hmm. Very sad. And like kids, they thought they had the most luck because they just killed a lot of kids. That's really sad. Yeah. Also, do you think we're born? With, oh, this is so random. Do you really think we're born with a lot of luck? Like some people are and some people aren't. No, I don't. I don't. Think I don't that. think so. It's an interesting theory. It is, but like, what do you determine as luck? How do you value it? Like, it's not a. It's not intelligence. It's not something you can measure. Yeah. Because, like, you can say if someone's really smart, are they lucky and that made them smart? Like, what? Mm, yeah, or, like, just good things happen to you. Like, is that yeah. kind of luck? Like, I don't know. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. It's interesting to hear about other cultures, but then when it gets to human sacrificing and trafficking, I'm like... Yeah, I mean, that. let's clarify, though. That's only a small group of people. Yeah. Because with uh muti originally like you know the way that it's meant to be there's no human sacrifice maybe animals but not even all of them knew the animals i don't think it's more like herbal traditional medicine that kind of thing yeah yeah yeah. from what i understand i'm intrigued about the bones and the machete that were found in the garden whose bones those yeah it didn't specify whether they were animal or human bones as well yeah so i don't know Kingsley Ojo, what are you doing with those bones? Well, the police were like, you don't just leave it. <laughs> We've had enough. I mean, it was a difficult case. They did bury him. They'd had a funeral for him. Oh. Yeah. So oh, that's so weird. Everyone like, who was investigating on the case went to the funeral, which is nice, at least. That's why they named him Adam as well, because they said in a press conference, until we can find his real family, will be his family. Which, yeah, yeah that's was very cute. nice. Yeah, rather than calling him like John Doe or something, because he was a kid, very little. But yeah, I think that's it from us this week. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed our our true crime telling stories. Do you think we solved them? That's the main goal of Internet Sleuths. These ones were hard. Why did we start off with difficult? Well, I mean, your one was definitely difficult because there's not even any suspects. I gave myself no no help. (laughs) Mine, mine, I think is solved kind of as in it was probably them but we still don't know who he is you can't say it for certain well next time i'm not looking forward to it because it's creepy pasta time i'm very excited greta has assured me that she's finding the scariest one for me which is great elena will pee her pants live during the podcast oh i can guarantee I can give you all that guarantee right now. No money back guarantee. (laughs) If she doesn't, I'm sorry, but that's my goal, to make Eleanor pee. So, yeah, I hope you all enjoyed this, and we'll see you next week. Yes, thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed, subscribe to our YouTube, follow us on Spotify, the usual, share with your friends, because, you know, we need more friends here on the podcast. It's only episode two, but we need all the friends we can get. Um, Yeah, leave a like, leave a comment. Hope you enjoyed. Thank you for listening. And goodbye.